Maybe big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their takes on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, AJ and Vincent chat with Drew Moffitt, head of marketing at Kumo Space. He talks about the importance of human connection regardless of if a company is operating in office, fully remote, or with a hybrid approach. AJ enjoys a weekend at the Horseshoe Bay Resort, and Vincent looks forward to the upcoming holiday summit on December 8th. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. It is so nice to talk to you. I am your host, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista. Who is Starista? Well, let me just pause one second, maybe well, 12 seconds to talk about Starista. We're a marketing technology company. We own our own business-to-business data, business-to-consumer data. We help companies utilize that data through our own technology to help them get new customers. Top of funnel. We have our own email sending structure, our own DSP, where we do display, OTT, connected TV. Email me, Starista. I'm sorry, Vincent at Starista.com. That is how confident I am. I just gave you my email address. But, and boy, are you using it. Not always for what I intended it to be, but hey, I put it out there, so it happens. Anyway, it is so good to be here with our listeners. And thank you so much, people, for coming up to me and my co-host, Mr. AJ Gupta. We'll get to him in one moment. At conferences now, we love that you're listening to our podcast. And we love that you're coming up to us and telling us you listen to it and giving us ideas. We really do appreciate it. And I appreciate this next person. My co-host, ladies and gentlemen, he was here in New York, but now he's back to San Antonio. All of New York misses him. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. Good to see you again. Just had a good, relaxing uh, weekend at Horseshoe Bay Resort. It's about an hour from San Antonio. Horseshoe Bay Resort. Shout out to Horseshoe Bay Resort. What's uh, what's going on there? You just had a, a retreat with the kids or just without kids? Uh, this is one of the few times without kids. It's uh, It was a clay court uh, tournament with our very own uh, Hunter Snell. Oh, nice, nice. I, I almost was 100% certain it was without kids because <laughs> the smile on your face uh, is the smile that I often have when I was just in London without the kids and I was able to sleep for 10 hours. Boy, was that amazing. No, kids are great. Um, you know how I love kids, ladies and gentlemen. I have two of my own. We uh, love it, love it. But that's awesome, you know, and I'll be down. I'm coming to San Antonio, ladies and gentlemen, on December. Uh, we have our, our summit, December 8th. That's gonna be uh, virtual, third annual. Always have a, a lot of amazing surprise guests on there we in the past we've had mick foley the wrestler we've had san antonio spurs on we have uh had of course amazing guests some of the podcast guests make a return to that one so give that a listen i know aj is going to roll out the 
holiday red carpet for me. Uh, if not, you'll hear about it, ladies and gentlemen, on the podcast, if uh, he does not. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think it's one of the nice things that came out of the pandemic, other than this podcast, is uh, we started doing our virtual holiday party, which is uh, you know inclusive of all of our various countries and states where we have uh, folks in that don't always get to feel like they're part of the uh, San Antonio team. So I think this, this year will be no exception. Started in the pandemic, but we will continue to do the uh, virtual portion of the holiday party. For Absolutely. That is hosted by yours truly, ladies and gentlemen. And we have a, a fun time. We often bring in some of my friends who are comedians and they just kind of lighten the mood. We do some charitable work as well on there. And it's just a great time. So hopefully this episode airs before that. If not, hopefully you were there. If you missed it, there's always next year. But AJ, we have a great guest. This guest is one of the rarities where we've actually both met him in person, right? We haven't, I think that was maybe out of 125 guests, maybe we met like four of them, both in person, right? Maybe five. This is one of those rarities. And I'll tell you, I knew it right away about him and not just because of the beautiful painting of the New York City skyline in, in the background, which you'll see in a moment. But I was like, wait a minute, you're a New Yorker like me. Again, I say it on the podcast. You could always tell when people are from New York and uh, we really liked them. And we invite we just uh, we went to a Rangers game together, the New York Rangers. They won a game. So he's good luck. He's also good luck, this guy. So we are so happy to have him today. We're excited to hear of his company, Kumo Space, ladies and gentlemen. Kumo Space, if you haven't heard of it, you're going to hear about it now. We really love what they're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, he runs marketing there. Drew Moffitt, what's going on, Drew? Uh, great to be on your show. I'm excited to talk about Kumo Space, what we're building over there, and also just my experience as a marketer and a little bit about my career. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I was fascinated with your career. You're, you're a young guy, um, certainly younger than me. And we, I love where you've kind of gone with your career. You kind of, you go all in, man. That's the thing about you that, that, that I really like. And that's uh, glad that we know each other now, Drew, but let's, let's get it right out there. Talk to us about Kumo Space and then your role within the organization. Yeah. So KumoSpace is building virtual office software for distributed teams to show up and work together. Um, I, have, uh, I have the privilege of being one of the earliest employees at the company. I've been doing marketing the entire time that I've been here. And I've really gotten to see the company grow from a couple users to millions of people. And now two venture funding rounds later, collectively, the company has raised over $24 million. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's, you know, talk to me about your role within the organization, Drew, like what you're kind of, what, what you're tasked with doing, and then also how you got into marketing. That's one of our staple questions. People love hearing about it. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's a, a really good memo by the CEO of Slack in 2013 called, we don't sell saddles. And <laughs> a little bit of my role feels awfully a lot like that, right? We're building virtual office software. Uh, the, the benefit of our product is it's a new type of communication tool for companies to work 
distributed, hybrid, or remote. And it's going back to synchronous communication, the kind of communication we're having right now. This tends to be very efficient. It's how humans have communicated for thousands of years. And asynchronous communication is things like Slack, you know, carrier pigeon, writing a physical letter. Um, those are the things that historically people always defaulted to as their secondary form of communication. But in kind of this post-pandemic and during the pandemic, as companies got really remote for a period of time, they were relying heavily on sending asynchronous communication. A lot of email, a lot of Slack, a lot of Teams type messaging. Um, so our product brings people together. Typical users find that they have fewer meetings. They're more productive. Um, I've got some good examples. For example, recently I was building a new section of the website and I had to go quickly ask some questions of our designer. And in the typical, he's in Idaho, I'm in New York. Typically that would mean go grab a time on his calendar, set up a Zoom call or some other type of call and then ask him these questions. Instead, I just toggled over to where he was in our virtual HQ and started working through some stuff. Well, what about this edge case when the user uh, shows up and we don't know what device they're on, you know, what's the content we want to display them. Uh, so that's, that's Kuma space in a nutshell. And then my task there is trying to figure out how you make the world aware of that. Like a lot of people today are just not looking for that. They're, they're often looking for the vitamin. You guys were talking about hosting your virtual uh, holiday party. That's a way that a lot of people find us is they come to us saying, I want to do you know, our team is distributed across several countries or across the United States or Europe uh, or honestly all around the world. And we want to connect those people um, in a way. And then they learn about the virtual office use case uh, for Kuma Space. So my job is to let them know that they can use it for virtual ho holiday parties as well as, you know, an ongoing daily active uh, use case for our virtual office. Nice. And how'd you get into marketing, Drew? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, I was a little bit naive. You know, I, I went into college in 2007. I, the economy was great then. And, and I kind of just thought, oh, you know, I'll go work on Wall Street. I'll make a bunch of money. It'll, it'll be easy. And uh, 2011 rolls around. Um, you know, my understanding of the kids these days, they tend to be a lot more aggressive about getting into internships and maybe their sophomore or, or junior year. Um, it wasn't something I was doing. Maybe I just wasn't given that insight. And I went to a small liberal arts college, so they didn't have the big banks like Goldman Sachs coming and knocking on the door, uh, doing on-campus recruiting. And I ended up graduating, kind of figuring out what to do. It was a tough job market. And I ended up working uh, for a woman selling residential real estate. Uh, and she was a very tough cookie to work for, but it taught me a lot. Um, often she's kind of compared to like the Meryl Streak's character from Devil Wears Prada of real estate. <laughs> yeah. So we were selling in this average of like $30 million price point. So wow. really taught how to like interact with that kind of people. And this is 10 years ago. So real estate prices were cheaper back then. Um, but I wanted, I yearned for something more. So I finagled my way into some classes at Columbia Business School here in New York, launched a, a startup. And then very quickly, it became clear that it's not just about launching an app in the app store. Like you need to market it. And that's how my journey as a marketer started 10 years ago. Andrew, coming to Kumo Space, what, what makes it the ideal choice for companies that are looking to go remote and how does it differ from other platforms? 
I think the the statement I was making before about asynchronous versus synchronous communication is really why I think people tend to start using Kumo Space and really like Kumo Space. So a lot of users will speak about having far fewer formal meetings and said they have a lot of burst communication because we're trying to replicate those interactions uh, of a physical office. Think about if you just had a question for Vincent in a fit, if you guys were both physically together in the same space, you wouldn't necessarily default to sending him a message on like Teams or Slack. You would walk over and talk, tap him on the shoulder and that would lead to more uh, questions or quick comments. So a lot of users tend to have these five to 10 minute conversations that quickly unblock them during the course of their day. And that's, that's really the productivity piece of it. But the secondary piece is that you tend to start building more sense of like together, sorry, togetherness with your colleagues. So you start to learn about them because you're again, defaulting to talking to them versus Slack messaging or, you know, Teams messaging them. And it tends to result in more bonding between, between different members of the team that are often on different departments. And you also don't have these moments of miscommunication, right? People sometimes talk about these Slack wars, right? Where they're like, marketing's arguing with engineering about getting something on the page and engineering doesn't understand it. Uh, and marketing is frustrated about it. Um, but when you're doing that in an, uh, a synchronous way, you understand their body language. And what often ends up being the case is that engineering isn't not wanting to do the task. Engineering is just confused about the ass. That makes sense. Uh, what do you think is going to happen as people are going, more offices are going back to work? Do you think since you start kind of a con pandemic baby, is it going to thrive in the post pandemic world as well? Yeah, I think the right thing that people are, are doing is you need to pick the right organizational strategy, right? And there's about six organizational strategies out there. You've got in office, you've got 100% remote, and then you've got four versions of kind of a hybrid structure. And among smaller, typically it's among smaller companies, it's four or five times the amount of companies have gone more remote. So that benefit us benefits us as the market having changed over the last two years. I think the, the thing that's kind of out to be decided is how those larger companies, are they going to be more fixed in-person hybrid schedules? Or are they going to become more of a like a remote first schedule where you come to the office a couple of times a month, or maybe you go to big quarterly meetings or all hands meetings, but you're predominantly more remote. Um, since we're not trying to build something specifically for the pandemic, right? We built a product that was supposed to make human connections better from a video chat perspective. And it did really well in the pandemic. And a lot of users started saying, hey, we want to use this as our always on like virtual HQ for our team. So since it's a communication tool at its core, we don't think that as the world becomes pretty normalized and everyone's going back to hanging out in person and going to sporting events, uh, it's going to necessarily affect it. There's going to be a, a group of users who prefer to be in office and that's right for those organizations. And there's also going to be a group of users who prefer to maybe be remote. And uh, I love that term, AJ, the uh, a pandemic baby. It was, yeah, it was born, you know, the company's, you know, 2020, right? 
And that is hard to launch a company, but based on, you know, Kumo space and what you're doing and what you're offering, it makes, you know, complete sense for now and in the future. But Drew, talk to us about, it's hard to launch a company. And, 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 you know, besides being on our wonderful podcast, of course, what's Kumo Space doing for brand awareness? Get the name out there. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we had a big tailwind of the pandemic behind us, right? There was monstrous amounts of Zoom fatigue. And I think really at the core of Zoom fatigue, when you think about it, it's just inefficient meetings, right? And the, the product that Kumo Space is building here, it's about having those more efficient meetings. So we were able to put the product out there on social media, um, mil- hundreds of millions of views of people using and playing with Kumo Space. And in 2021, a lot of the use case was people doing everything from little family get-togethers to all hands or happy hours or holiday parties, all the way up to conferences. So as a result of people using the product so heavily for that virtual event, kind of one-off use case, there's a lot of brand awareness behind Kuma Space. There's just a lot of organic traffic that continues to come to the site. But it is a challenge to market something in a potentially new space. So if you go back to that memo I mentioned earlier, in 2013, the CEO of Slack was saying, no one's going to Google looking for group productivity chat. And that's pretty, that's pretty true today. Uh, no one is going to Google. There's a few people looking for virtual office software or virtual office platform. Um, most people are going to Google saying, how do I run a better or more functioning remote meeting? So a lot of our focus now is about building out content, both really on the own side. So we're going to be doing more social content, but a lot of written blog content to be the resource, right? Here's some tips to running an effective meeting. Here's ways to have a really fun, engaging holiday party. Um, It's really showing the people the vitamin and saying, hey, there's also a a painkiller in our virtual office product here. Because the product, as your people are, are operating in a fully customizable virtual environment, so you can make that look like the best holiday party. And you can also make that space look like a typical office and have, you know, company branding uh, in it. That's awesome. You know, no, it definitely, definitely makes sense. And it's something that people who are, you know, remote employees, right. As, as you know, you, you talk about potential cost cutting measures, right. Let's get everyone together virtually in a different way. I, I think that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Drew, what's been your biggest challenge right now in your role at Kumo Space? And, and talk to us how you're tackling it. I think, I think it's trying to figure out um, what, what is the biggest thing. Because as I was saying with that previous example is no one's looking for group productivity chat uh, in 2013 for Slack. Uh, it's trying to figure out like, what are those big drivers? What is our ideal customer persona is definitely one of the, the challenges for us because so many companies are deciding to, the, the way that a company decides their organizational structure is very much dictated by their, their employees and their organization. So no customer is truly uh, similar to another customer. We have customers that are teams of 20, 30 people at really large Fortune 500 companies And we also have 30 person startup that's doing cosmetics. And we also have a bunch of health tech startups and the healthcare companies 
So there's no real ideal uh, consumer right there. And that that's, I would say, is probably the biggest challenge is having to market to a wider audience than say, I'm just making a direct to consumer product for say shoes, right? And, and it's a trendy shoes. So you know that your consumers are probably from 18 to 34 years old. Do, how do you approach marketing? What are some of the channels that you're focused on right now? And has there been kind of an aha moment in marketing that's been a game changer for you? Since my career has been pretty diverse, like I've started two companies, I've collectively helped work, uh, you know, build another five companies, Kumo Space being the fifth one. Um, one thing that I really learned earlier, earlier on in my career, I was doing something called corporate venture building. So the challenge there was I would lead a small team, typically three to four people, including myself and a CEO of a, a large public company would say, hey, build me a new business in XYZ industry. And the challenge there was I didn't have, I didn't get to pick the idea and I didn't get to pick the industry, but I had to kind of deliver some fledgling startup or business. So when I approach marketing at any role now, it's let's put out a lot of ideas and then figure out how to quickly test on those ideas. So for us in 20. Uh, 2021, we did really effectively controlled the cost around influencer marketing. And that's what resulted in these you know, hundreds of millions of views on social. We first off set aside some money, we tested it, and I'd had some earlier success in other projects with it. And then I we went about figuring out how do we really control cost, right? Because wanted to have low upfront fixed costs with high variable costs to reward a lot of content, uh, if that content got a lot of views. Uh, but prior to that, we had a really good idea, which completely fell on its face, which was let's just email a bunch of venture capital funds and say, hey, why don't you use this for your portfolio codes? They're all remote right now. They're all pretty early start stage startups. This was in late 2020, 2021, early 2021. Um, no VC wanted to help us. And it makes sense in hindsight is it sounded like a good idea, but those VCs were busy trying to look for deal flow or do something else. Uh, they weren't particularly interested in trying to distribute our product on our behalf uh, to their network. So I think it, it really just comes down to saying, hey, where do I think I could possibly find this person? And let me go test it. And SEO is something that we've invested in recently. And we're starting to grow traffic and we're putting eyeballs in front of these keywords that are related to things like have a great holiday party, run a better meeting, how to manage a remote team, things of that nature. So basically be really eager to test ideas, but also be really eager to say I screwed up, like that was a great idea, but not the right business, not the right market, something, you know, something didn't align correctly and move on to the next thing. So you can use that time uh, for something that might work. Any cool new products or anything interesting coming up in the future that you can share with us? Yeah, so we just launched a desktop application. Kuma Space primarily runs in the web browser. Um, so we just launched a desktop application to help uh, as a communication tool. It's good to have it on your desktop, on your control panel. Um, 
and kind of running in the background. Uh, we're launching mobile apps, right? If we're trying to help teams distributed, their Wi-Fi might not be particularly good in any moment. That team member may be on the move. Uh, so we're launching mobile apps really soon. Another thing is just like in a physical office where you, the default is to walk over and maybe have a conversation with your colleague and have that synchronous communication. But if your colleague isn't at their desk, you're going to do something in an asynchronous nature. You're gonna leave them a post-it note, you're gonna send them a message. So in the really near term, um, we're launching a lot of improvements to our, our asynchronous communication within Kumo space, specifically around the chat functionalities. You know, Drew, I mentioned in the beginning, right? You know, you and I met in person, we talked, and you know, something I was fascinated with is like you said, at, at a young age, you were just like, I'm just gonna, you know, dive into companies. I'm gonna start join startups, I'm gonna invest in some companies, I'm gonna start companies. I mean, that's that's awesome. So I, I would love for you to share some of those experiences at some of these startups. Um any projects that really resonated with you, obviously, besides, you know, Kumo Space, you mentioned a bunch of them. Um, what do you think really stood out to you during some of those experiences, besides working for the, uh, you know, real estate Meryl Streep character? Yeah, so I think stupidity was probably the best. <laughs> it, was, it was, I was very stupid <laughs> and naive and thought that you just create a company and, and then it's Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I watched the social network <laughs> one too many times. But being pushed and forcing myself into that situation caused me to learn. And I would say Forever Not was probably, the, it was the first company I did and it really had an impact on my the, the direction of my career because I left the, the job in real estate I was auditing these classes at Columbia Business School. I had gotten some engineering uh, students in the engineering school to help work on this. We're building a mobile app that was going to let people relationship bet on the relationship says of celebrities. And the product got it to market, figured out how to build an app, uh, get it through the app store, and then I needed to market it. And I thought, all right, well, some good marketing for this is it's related relationships. Valentine's Day is coming up. Let's kind of pair the launch with that. And I lucked out. I was able to get a lot of PR around it. I had seen uh, the Warby Parker and Harry's. Those were the, the co-founders of those two companies. Um, I'd seen one of their pitch decks for media. So their media kit. And I was able to basically just replicate that from memory uh, in this presentation in one of the lecture halls. And I made our own version of it and it quickly went viral. Um, and then Apple decided, whoa, this is like not conforming with our aerial brand relationship betting on celebrities. This feels maybe a little too mean. And they removed us from the app store. Oh, but no. the, the story of that was that it was, you know, for night and day, I was sleeping on a couch and the next day I was on Good Morning America. And day after that, I didn't have a job. Um, oh, it's all in about a month <laughs> period of time. Uh, so it's pretty... Pretty crazy emotional roller coaster, but the the thing that I really took away from that was that was a fun experience, and there was also a lot of intangible things that don't easily translate maybe to a resume that I learned from that, and that's what set me on this journey uh, to ultimately now being at Kumo Space. That is awesome, and and I also I want to share like you said in the beginning about 
you know, a lot of people like they leave college and they're like, I'm going to get a job when I'm making a lot of money. And, and you mentioned, you know, looking back in internship and I do see that too. A lot of our interns here are still college students, but what advice, you know, you've already, you know, you lived a lot, like you said, like one day you're on good morning America and then you're looking for a job, you know, a couple of days after that, but talk to us, Drew, what advice would you give college students now? You're looking to maybe start a company or pursue a career in marketing? I think if you're looking to pursue a career in marketing, the first thing I would say is that always try to remove yourself from the product you're marketing. And what I mean by that is it's really easy to know what you're just what you're doing to market this product, but you need to put yourself in the shoes of that prospect you're marketing to. So good example is you'll go to a website, maybe a, 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 an early, very early stage startup, and you'll look at the hero copy and you'll just say, what the hell are they trying to sell me? And to them, it makes a ton of sense because it's their product and they understand that product. Um, but me as the visitor has none of that context around it. So as a result, uh, I have to like, I'm confused, <laughs> which is not good. So always try to think about, well, what are the relatable things that I can try and convey to this customer so that they uh, understand what we're selling? And then the secondary piece of it is I've learned, and it's worked out for me, like I've learned just a lot of skills and I'm always learning new skills and tactics. So I think there's two ways you can approach it. One, you can just become an expert in something very specific. For example, maybe paid marketing or social media. Um, but I would say, try to really expand your depth of knowledge. Try to learn how to do social. Try to learn how to do paid. Try to learn how to do set, uh, you know, SEO. Try to learn a lot of different things. Um, it may be harder to translate on a resume, especially if someone's trying to just hire a uh, PPC expert, but you'll get roles where you're more of a generalist. And those generalist skills, I think, will benefit you in the long term. And if you want to have more seniority, you need to be able to speak to more skill sets than just one. Thanks for the advice. One of our staple marketing stir questions is to do with LinkedIn. I'm sure you get a lot of uh, messages and connections from people you have no idea who they are. What are some messages that get a response from you? And more importantly, what are ones that really annoy you? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start off with the bad ones. And I'm a little bit, uh, it's a little unfair, my answer, because of one thing. I run a meetup that looks like a business. So when people try to personalize and target me, they're often targeting me like, hey, get better corporate data for your SDRs to do your venture sales. I'm like, venture sales is a meetup. Like, it's not a business. So I'm in that kind of fringe bucket and I get it. There's an 80-20 rule. Um, if you're scraping information and you're compiling and personalizing, um, but I'm just in that outside bucket. So I get a lot of noise. It's just completely unrelated because people think that my networking event is actually a business. Um, the stuff that works on a couple of things. One, 
I've always appreciated when people, whether or not we end up hiring the candidate, but I've always appreciated when people reach out to you on LinkedIn when they're applying for a role. Um, it just shows like a degree of dedication and interest in the company to reach out or you know send a message related to something. Uh, the other one, this was actually an email. It was a cold email. Um, again, don't respond to a lot of them, but it worked out pretty well. There's a tool called Chili Piper. It just so happened uh, that their SDR lucked out in that very moment. I was trying to figure out how to include improve conversion on our schedule demo page. And the person had sent me a screenshot showing our booking widget. And uh, it said, you know, improve your conversion. And it was just in that moment, it was super relevant to me. So we ended up actually using the tool and we, we still use it today on our website. Great, that's a very unique answer. So that's the first one. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your personal side because this is a little bit like if we had uh, met you and actually we did meet you in this case <laughs> and we were chatting, you know, what do you like to do for fun? What are some of the hobbies outside of marketing? Yeah, so I started skiing at a really young age. Um, so now that it's uh, getting into the winter months, I'm very excited uh, to go skiing. We've got some ski trips planned. Um, I also do some sailing. Uh, that's a big uh, piece of my summer months. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm a pretty big extrovert. As I mentioned, I host a, a meetup. So I tend to meet a lot of people, network with a lot of people, um, like to just be around people. And is that, uh, that's in New York City, right, Drew? The, uh, is, that, is there a way, you know, people could, you know, get invited to that or reach out? How could people find you? Yeah, so for Venture Sales, um, it's a meetup for founders and VCs and people who are operators in startups or large corporates. Uh, it's VentureSales.co, uh, also the .com works as well. Uh, important thing is that it's spelled like a sailboat. Uh, not sales, like selling something. And again, that's venture sales, like a sailboat. Um, and yes, if you go to the website, you fill out the form, I'll follow, I follow up with everyone um, and you'll get invited to these happy hours. They tend to be kind of small groups, uh, good quality group people. Uh, so if you're in the New York area and you're in the startup or the venture investing space, uh, definitely reach out. Nice. I will be there at one of them, hanging out with uh, Drew and, and the crew there. And then I will, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a great time and I'll talk about it at the podcast. And, uh, you know, so hopefully more people will, will come out. Drew, a closing thought, anything you want to part uh, our amazing audience with about yourself, about Kumo Space, about, you know, future of marketing, you tell us. The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, no, uh Really appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Um, suggest to anyone who's running a, a distributed or remote or hybrid team, check out Kumo Space, uh, book a demo with our team, products free to use, uh, You know, let them show you around. If you actually want to see me in person and you schedule a demo, there's a high likelihood that you'll actually potentially be in the same place because all of our sales demos happen inside of our virtual office where our 30 plus team members are working, including myself. Um, so I'll be there and you can ask us to come say hi and, and, and connect with me. Um, as far as the future, I think, you know, the way that you decide to run your organization really just comes down to 
picking a clear organizational strategy, right? One thing that employees and team members are going to never enjoy is not being clear. Just say, hey, this is how we set goals. Uh, I really emphasize teams that prioritize results versus FaceTime and presence. And just tell your team how success is going to get managed and how you expect them to uh, you know, work, if that's hybrid or if that's remote or whatever it might be. I like that. I like that. Thank you, Drew, for joining us on the podcast, uh, giving us you know, some time and, and, and imparting your knowledge on us. Check out Kumo Space, ladies and gentlemen. That's Drew Moffat. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. He's AJ Gupta. This has been an episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.